don't know Dante. I'm a well. What's up, everybody? Welcome. This is Tuesday. Actually, it's Wednesday. Uh, you're listening to Shady Pines Radio. This is Zach Wolk, also known as Optimisto, also known as Snackery Woke. You're actually listening to Midnight Mystics, the Midnight Mystics, here on Shady Pines Radio. What a time we've had over the past four years. What a time we've had over the past 24 hours. Watching the election results trickle in a little by little. Um... We still don't know who won. We may not know for 48 hours or so uh, conclusively from all of the election body results uh, because of all the mail-in ballots and uh, absentee ballots and things like that because of COVID-19. There were fewer people that there were fewer people that voted in person than ever in history um, ratio to the overall population, you know, and uh Yeah, we're all kind of rolling with it. I'm going to dedicate the next hour of programming here on the radio station for those of you that are awake, want to tap into some community vibes. I'm going to be telling everybody about some events that are happening here in the area. Um, And the events that we're going to be promoting are COVID conscious events where everybody is going to be as safe, as comfortably safe as possible, gathering together um, to hold each other during these times. I find that in times of uncertainty and times of stress, that the best things that we can do are to get together with people that we love and to recognize that life isn't so bad, you know, like life is actually truly a really good gift. I think that what's happened this past year from March into October and now November is uh, that we have been experiencing a little bit of cabin fever, to be honest. And a lot of us have been spending a lot of times on these glowing screens. One of the things I love about this radio station is you could just turn your screen off, but still connect with the outside world, still connect with the world of music, still connect with the world of uh, community connection, learning, and inspiration, and music. So that's what we're going to do for the next hour is I'm going to share some of my thoughts regarding uh, national politics, the United States of America, and I'm going to be playing a playlist of songs that kind of touch on the moment. If you want to call into the show, feel free to message me. Uh, My phone number is 310-692-4101. Again, that number is 310-692-4101. Send me a text message and I'll send you the Zoom link so you can... uh, you can get on the phone with me and we could chop it up a little bit about, uh, you know, the craziness, this crazy confusion. I do want to give a few plugs real quick for those of you who may be going to bed in the next half hour or hour or something like that. Tomorrow, I will be debuting a show for the first time. The Grove will be playing at 10 p.m. until 11 p.m. right here on Shady Pines Radio. It's a poetry show. It's just one hour long, 60 minutes Um, and I will be playing submissions. So if you are a poet, a spoken word artist, or if you just have some kind of poetic prose or some kind of ideas or something creative, creative writing you want to share, and uh, you have the guts, you have the courage to put those words into your own voice, record that voice, whether you want to add some music to it or not, send it over to SPR 
poetry at gmail.com. Again, that email address is sprpoetry at gmail.com. And it'll be fun to listen to all the submissions and um, see what kind of gifts these these crazy community cats, these crazy Shady Pines cats have going on. I myself, I'm not feeling too glum or, or, or distressed or confused about these election results um, because it's just kind of like a deja vu of 2016. And uh, I'm not worried about this uh, this uh, dictator Dorito character um, that's the president. I know a lot of people are, um, but over the last four years, we've just seen a lot of fumbling and a lot of stealing. And what this nation, the history of this nation, if we're being honest, is a nation of theft. You know, this is not our land. You know, I'm Polish American. I immigrated here. This land was settled by the Native Americans, also known as the First Nations people, right? And, um, yeah, I live in a city called Portland, Oregon, and that's in a county of Multnomah. The Multnomah are actually a tribe of Chinookan people who live in the area, and the villages were located throughout the Portland Basin on both sides of the Columbia River. The Multnomah people speak a dialect of the Upper Chinookan language in the Oregon Penutian family. And so one of the things I, I learned from the Ohm culture community up in Seattle, Washington, was that it's important to acknowledge where we are, do a land acknowledgement, and acknowledge the people, the first people of this land, because they never... The, the tribes of this land, they never gave us permission to be here. The treaties of these First Nations people of this continent, they were manipulated documents that have not been honored. There are currently fracking plants and energy extraction happening on reservations and on land that is supposed to have the consent of the native people as per the treaties set up in Manifest Destiny. They're not honored. They're not respected. They're not even seen as people. They're relegated to a kind of a sub-citizen level of people. So when us white people start to get upset about the results of this gigantic board game that was set up, it, it was like rigged. It's like playing Monopoly and your opponents are given three times the amount of funny money. Right? And that's what it is. It's funny money. And we pretend that it's real and we work with it like it's real. But it was all just decided about by 40 white men. 40 old white men. Of course they're going to have their own best benefits in mind. And um, I'm going to see if I can pull up a document here. You know, the very constitution that that we live on by the United States, they paid a little tribute when the, the forefathers wrote it. They basically copied the document that was known of the Great Law of Peace from the Iroquois Confederacy. And it was a it was a means to bring together um, the various tribes from throughout the nations. So they you know, it was a matter of, of bringing together the the tribes of this nation, and 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 to 
It says, we heartily recommend union and a good agreement between our brethren. Never disagree, preserve a strict friendship for one another, and thereby you, as well as we, will become the stronger. Our wise forefathers established union and amity between the five nations. This has made us formidable. This has given us weight and authority with our neighboring nations. We are a powerful confederacy, and by your observing the same methods of our wise forefathers have taken, you will acquire fresh strength and power. Therefore, whatever befalls you, never fall out one with another. One with another. And um, that brings me to um, a great man, a great Native American activist by the name of John Trudell. And John, John Trudell said that no matter what they ever do to us, we must always act for the love of our people and the earth. We must never react out of hatred against those who have no sense. John Trudell. I'm going to read that again. No matter what they ever do to us, we must always act for the love of our people and the earth. We must not react out of hatred against those who have no sense. I'm going to play a little audio, uh, including the voice of John Trudell um, from a group called Tribe Called Red. And it's pretty groovy, so hope you enjoy this. It's called We Are the Halusa Nation. Cannot see. We are the tribe that they cannot see. We live on an industrial reservation. We are the Halusa Nation. We have been called the Indians. We have been called Native Americans. We have been called hostile. We have been called pagan. We have been called militant. We have been called many names. We are the Halusa Nation. We are the human beings. The callers of names cannot see us, but we can see them. We are the Halusa Nation. Our DNA is of earth and sky. Our DNA is of past and future. We are the Halusa Nation. We are the evolution, the continuation. The Halusa Nation. Alusa Nation.
We are the Halusa Nation. Thank you, John Trudell. Yes, 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 we are the Halusa Nation. We are the Halusa Nation. All one species, one nation. The Lakota people, they have this phrase, it's Ahomatakiase. It means we are all related. We are all family. We are all related. We are all family. That's why I get a little tired of these well-meaning liberal progressive folks that try to split us up and and um, it happens all the time where they try to um, enforce political correct police language restrictions. It's like what we really have to do is check in with ourselves and where the intention of our words come from and check in with the intention of where the other people are coming from and do our best to educate one another you know, and try to reduce harm as much as possible. But we can actually increase harm when we divide up. This is the United States of America. We can see based on, I think this is all like signs on the road. And so when we see that this nation is split into half, into half of the people don't want um, immigrants to, any more immigrants to cross the border because they're afraid of having their jobs taken away, when in reality what's happening is the technology is escalating. We're always going to have a great number of jobs for the great number of people that need to be supported. That's just the that's just the overall supply and demand chain. But what's happening is that technology is making uh, capitalist corporatist people very wealthy because they're able to produce more than ever without the use of manual labor. So you know, we're, we're at this time where we're trying to figure that out. Like, you know, if there's not as much need for us to toil in the mines and to, to build the cars because the machines are taking over our jobs, then what's our purpose? Well, I have been fortunate enough pre-COVID to be attending these transformational festivals for like the past seven years. And what these thought leaders, visionaries, pioneers of society tell me is that what we should be doing is creating art, endowments for the art, paying people money that then they can go out and trade for food, resources, guitars, computers to create with, which will create even more jobs, (laughs) right? Like, these are not difficult concepts to understand. It's difficult only when we don't think to challenge the status quo programming that society would have us think about. And unfortunately, the public education system is um, its kind of designed to have us compete with one another. You know, who's the top of the class? Who's the homecoming king and queen? Who's the associated body president of the school or whatever? And so we're constantly stressed out growing up and we're actually conditioned to outdo each other, outwit each other and talk shit about one another. And I have found myself in some very loving communities starting in Southern California, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon. I don't want to make this show about me, but 
there are really awesome human beings that don't that kind of break that mold then find each other in these crazy cities and form communities community is resilience so we have these beautiful neighbors brothers and sisters friends girlfriends boyfriends all that kind of stuff and so we we have our family our chosen family yet we all still while we know who our tribe is we choose to focus so much attention on who can represent all 270 or whatever million of us with varying interests in various parts of the country it's too many people to be represented by one person so what we have is we've got this split system we've got this divided system where of course the warring tribes are going to be in you know indicative of the proud boys and antifa you know and and so here we are this is the crossroads we're at and the solution that i see as a way forward is breaking up this this gigantic mass i don't think our forefathers saw the 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 huge 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 growth of humans in these in these states the 13 original colonies you know it started off innocent enough but we haven't done enough to reform the original laws and rules of this country so taking a second to just remember that sovereignty autonomy those human beings that started this experiment called america are no different than you or me or any of the brilliant friends that we know and terence mckenna reminds us to start your own road show start your own culture do your own thing and one of the things that i'm happy about in portland is that i get to connect with a community called uh, the Sanctum Psychedelia Open Mic Community. And uh, one of our sisters, Poet Laureate Morgan Page, is going to be having her first solo art show at um, a collective common space called the Commons PDX. And um, I'll give you some more information after I play a poem by Morgan's. But this Friday, we'll probably know who the next president of the United States is, and it won't matter as much as so many people think that it will. What it will do is it will change the conversation that the media is having with itself about what the values of this country are important. But I see it happening one of two ways. Either Biden wins or Trump wins. If Trump wins, then we continue to, you know, fuel the resistance. We have another gigantic women's march on Inauguration Day, and it's beautiful. You know, we come together and we we try to figure out how we are going to form more resilient communities. If Biden wins, there's a bit of a celebration. There's a bit of a premature celebration of neoliberalism. And I don't know if it's anything like what we saw under Obama. There's not much of a push towards activism. Hopefully, we've learned our lessons and we still apply pressure. Bernie Sanders kind of takes, it takes it, you know, a spokesperson lead on the whole thing. In any event, I hope that 
we get a Biden presidency and that we all take on that that challenge of leading and pressuring the administration to become more and more progressive, more and more for the people and hold them to what they say is their platform. If Trump wins, then it's just kind of like America as usual. And you could say that's not the case. I have to say, though, that in the past hundred years, we have been intervening in so many international affairs across the world. And, um, you know, in many ways, I'm so, so, so grateful over the past four years that and over the past 12 years, really, that we've seen a de-escalation of overall international conflicts when it comes to arms. That the United States has kind of like sort of minded its own business a little bit more. And of course, we're entangled in the international economy and we're entangled in international culture affairs. And we are, you know, the focus of the world. Um, but I, I, I hope that other countries start doing their own things and we start doing our own things on a local, regional level. That's how I see us really progressing is regional resilience. And on that note, I have to say thank you for listening to me uh, kind of blabber on here. But there is a group here in Portland, Oregon called the Conscious Growth Community. And they are having an event on Saturday at 2 p.m. It's 10 to $30 sliding scale. People from the uh, BIPOC, the BIPOC community, um, that's the bisexual pe- people of color, uh, gay, trans, queer, um, and people of color community, basically marginalized people. They're in for free. Um, and it's basically happening at the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs um, in Wasco and um, the Cascade Mountains. And basically what this is, is there there's going to be a weekend of building skills for resilience, activism, education, workshops, and live music. So... And the, the all proceeds will go to the tribes of the of the Warm Springs. It's called the Elements of Change Building Skills um, Retreat, and it's put on by Conscious Growth Portland. So go ahead and check out Conscious Growth Portland for all that goodness. And um, I know that I was I started to talk about Morgan's art show, which I'm super excited about. I we just decided today actually that I'm going to be in the house at the Commons. And I will be there putting on uh, a little interview session. So if you want to bring some of your poetry to meet with me and um, and do some live Shady Pines radio recording for the next podcast, um, bring some poetry. I'm going to ask you some questions about what you think about the art scene. And just um, we could pull some questions out of a hat and bring in the divination system a little bit. This art show is going to be Friday, November 6th at the Commons, uh, which is 425 3rd, uh, uh, 3rd Avenue, Southeast Portland. Again, that's 425 3rd South, uh, 425 Southeast, 3rd Avenue, Unit 305. That's the Commons PDX. Find the Commons PDX on Instagram. Find Conscious Growth on Instagram. Follow them. Follow them on Facebook. These are the local communities as well as Sanctum Psychedelia Open Mic. Um, right now, 
I realize that I've been speaking for quite a while. I'm going to play a poem from Morgan Page off the album Lick the Psychic. This one's called From a Dream. From a Dream. From a Dream, distant themes. You under an oak tree. Me from the sky witnessing. I was floating. There was nothing in your eyes the many times I swam in them. The black abyss of a man's mystery. The collapsing twist of a tree branch history. And I'll never forget the way you tested me. Caressed my ears to sleep. My body in too deep. Psychosis. An orgasmic symbiosis. Was it you or the chemicals? You or the connection of our genitals? Was it insensible or symmetrical? Tangible or hypothetical? Were the messages clear or subliminal? I know now the transformation was seminal. As we faced our mistakes, bent out of shape, jumping from trucks and made-up stories, scarred pasts and ego glory, But those mornings spent on the deck, they course through my veins, sprout through my shame of tame self-image and brave shelf-wisdom. We harnessed that light, charged up our flight to the next level, embraced the devils within, let them act for us, let them react in lust. But I still believe in true love, And I still believe in familial blood. But I can't forget the black stare of your eyes the many times I drowned in them. Felt the aching pain of a child's revenge. And I'll never forget the way you suspended me. Chained me up to play for keeps. I just wanted to be yours truly. An unruly loyal lover. Some kind of eccentric note taker your offbeat home milkmaker. Instead, I became a pseudo-saver, a codependent in danger, and slowly you became a distant stranger, some kind of carnal creature, minimized to a midnight runner, a predatory hunter, in a deep and hypnotic slumber. And as I slowly gazed sunward, I gave the sunset my word that this chapter was not meant to hurt, but to assert change, to convert conditioned behavior, to embrace the shadow savior, to manifest a conscious suitor, a self-soother, a spring bloomer, a ritual smoker, determined and sober, a consistent heart shower, flowers overflowing, Flow now interlocking, taking stock in what matters, becoming masters of our own lives now, forging forward somehow, forgiveness emerging, no more submerging of the shame we were burying. This is so fucking freeing, to be seeing truth and mystery, proof of honest contemporaries, Exemplified mastery of a heightened state of intuitive periphery. A divinely concentrated delivery 
of an ancestral memory calling us home, now blissfully, faithfully grateful, forever insightful, riddled no more with spiteful storage, bountiful shores now of a tasteful courage, a rising vantage point from the wreckage of an eternally transcendental relationship, of an esoteric pilgrimage. So, I love Morgan's poetry. I think it's so good. Um, Again, her art show is going to be at 6 p.m. Friday, November 6th at the Commons PDX, uh, which is actually, it's 425 Southeast 3rd Avenue, Unit 305, Portland, Oregon. All right, so I've uh, I've done a little bit of talking. I'm going to pull up some more things to talk about in just a second. Um, But one of the things I want to say is that we lost a true revolutionary... um, about a week ago, on October 25th, Diane De Primo left this uh, left this planet. She uh, she shuffled off the mortal coil, as it were, and um, yeah, um, Morgan turned me on to her. So I'm gonna go ahead and in tribute of Diane De Prima, I'm gonna go ahead and read Revolutionary Letters eight, nine, and ten. Revolutionary Letter number eight. Every time you pick the spot for a be-in, a demonstration, a march, a rally, you are choosing the ground for a potential battle. You are still calling these shots. Pick your terrain with that in mind. Remember the old gang rules. Stick to your neighborhood. Don't let them lure you to Central Park every time. I would hate to stumble bloody out of that park to find help. Central Park West or Fifth Avenue, which would you choose? Go to Love Inns with incense, flowers, food, and a plastic bag with a damp cloth in it for tear gas. Wear no jewelry. Wear clothes you can move in easily. Wear no glasses, contact lenses. Earrings for pierced ears are especially hazardous. Try to be clear in front. What you will do if it comes to trouble, if you're going to try to split, stay out of the center, don't stampede or panic others, don't waver between active and passive resistance, know your limitations, bear contempt, neither for yourself nor any of your brothers, no one way works, it will take all of us, shoving at the thing from all sides, to bring it down. Revolutionary letter number nine. Advocating the overthrow of government is a crime. Overthrowing it is something else altogether. It is sometimes called revolution. But don't kid yourself. Government is not where it's at. It's only a good place to start. Kill the head of Dow Chemical. Destroy the plant. Make it unprofitable for them to build again. Destroy the concept of money as we know it. Get rid of interest, savings, and inheritance. Pounds money is dated coupons that come in the mail to everyone and are void in 30 days. It's still a good idea. Or let's start with no money at all and invent it if we need it. Or mimograph it and everyone print as much as they want and just see what happens. 
declare a moratorium on debt. The Continental Congress did, quote, on all debts, public and private, and no one, quote, owns the land. It can be held for use. No man holding more than he can work, himself and family working. Let no one work for another, except for love and what you make above your needs be given to the tribe, a commonwealth. None of us knows the answers. Think about these things. The day will come when we have to know the answers. Revolutionary letter number 10. These are transitional years and the dues will be heavy. Change is quick, but revolution will take a while. America has not even begun as yet. This continent is seed. Here is Brother Ali with Uncle Sam Goddamn. The name of the song Uncle Sam. It's a show tune, but the show ain't been written for it yet. We gonna see if Tony Jerome and the band can maybe work it out for me. Straighten me out right quick. Welcome to the United Snakes, land of the thief, home of the slave. Grand Imperial Guard, where the dollar is sacred and proud. Let's do the real, come on now. Smoke and mirrors, stripes and stars, stoning for the cross in the name of God. Bloodshed, genocide, rape and fraud, written to the pages of the law, good law. The cold continent latchkey child ran away one day and started acting foul. King of where the wild things are, daddy's proud Cause the Roman Empire done passed it down Imported and tortured the workforce And never healed the wounds or shook the curse off Not a grown-up Goliath nation Holding open auditions for the part of David Can you feel Nothing can save you You question the rain, you get rushed in and chained up Fist raised, but I must be insane Cause I can't figure single, single damn way to change but welcome to the United States, land of the thief, home of the slave. The Grand Imperial Guard, where the dollar is sacred and power is God. Welcome to the United States, land of the thief, home of the slave. The Grand Imperial Guard, where the dollar is sacred and power is God. All must bow to the fat and lazy. The f obey me and why do they hate me? Who me? Only two generations away from the world's most despicable slavery trade Pioneered so many ways to degrade a human being that it can't be changed to this day Legacy so ingrained in the way that we think we no longer need chains to be slaves Lord, it's a shameful display The overseers even got raped along the way Cause the children can't escape from the pain And they born with the poisonous hatred in their veins Try and separate a man from his soul You only strengthen him and lose your own But shoot that if you walk near the throne Remind him that this is my home Now I'm gone Welcome to the United States Land of the thief, home of the slave The grand imperial guard Where the dollar is sacred and power is gone Welcome to the United States Land of the thief, home of the slave The grand imperial guard where the dollar is sacred Hold on, give me one right here, hold on 
You don't give money to the bums On the corner with a sign bleeding from their gums Talking about you don't support a crackhead What you think happens to the money from your taxes? The government's the addict With a billion dollar a week kill brown people habit And even if you ain't on the front line When NASA yell crunch time, you right back at it Man, look at how you hustling backwards At the end of the year, add up what they subtracted Three out of twelve months, your salary pay for that madness Man, that's savage What's left? Get a big-ass plasma to see where they made Dan Rather point the damn camera Only approved questions get answered Now stand your ass up for that national anthem Welcome to the United States Land of the thief, home of the slave The Grand Imperial Guard Where the dollar is sacred and power is God Welcome to the... Miss the payment, they can take you home. 
is worse than all the violence. Fear is such a weak emotion, that's why I despise it. We scared of almost everything, afraid to even tell the truth. So scared of what you think of me, I'm scared of even telling you. Sometimes I'm like the only person I feel safe to tell it to. I'm locked inside of selling me, I know that there's a gel in you. Consider this shit belling out, so take a breath and hell a few. My screams is finally getting free, my thoughts is finally yelling down. The greatest Americans have not been born yet. They are waiting patiently for the past to die. Please give blood, George Bush. Please give blood, Ashcroft. Please give blood, Catholic priests in Boston and elsewhere. Please give blood so that the beings in waiting will find their way into the wombs of warrior women. Not in our name, the pledge to resist. We believe that as a people living in the United States, it is our responsibility to resist the injustices done by our government in our names. Not in our name will you wage endless war. There can be no more deaths, no more transfusions of blood for oil. Not in our name will you invade countries, bomb civilians, kill more children, letting history take its course over the graves of the nameless. Not in our names will you erode the very freedoms you have claimed to fight for. Not by our hands will we supply weapons and funding for the annihilation of families on foreign soil. Not by our mouths will we let fear silence us. Not by our hearts will we allow whole peoples or countries to be deemed evil. Not by our will and not in our name. We pledge resistance. We pledge alliance with those who have undercome attack for voicing opposition to the war or for their religion or ethnicity. We pledge to make common cause with the people of the world to bring about justice, freedom, and peace. Another world is possible, and we pledge to make it real. The weight of the world is love. Under the burden of solitude, under the burden of dissatisfaction, the weight, the weight we carry is love. But we carry the weight wearily, and so must rest in the arms of love at last. Must rest in the arms of love. No rest without love, no sleep without dreams of love. The warm bodies shine together in the darkness. The hand moves to the center of the flesh. The skin trembles in happiness, and the soul comes joyful to the eye. Yes, yes, that's what I wanted. I always wanted, I always wanted to return to the body where I was born. I oftentimes return back to a place where I think about the odds, the statistical odds 
of being a living being, be it a plant or an animal or a human being. All of the challenges and the potentially fatal obstacles that all of your ancestors faced and overcame in order to live long enough to create more of your ancestors that eventually became you. I trip out on the existence of the planet. Where did this planet start? Where did this universe come from? Did it birth itself? No baby has ever birthed itself. It always had a mother. Everything has, everything comes from somewhere, you know? This system that we all get so worked up over was a plan, a consp- you know, we talk a lot about conspiracy theories. QAnon is, is the current trending one. There's all kinds of conspiracy theories. And some of them are real and some of them aren't real. And some of them are good and benevolent. And some of them are evil and malicious. Um, but we all are a part of this experiment called America, which at some point there was a group of people that decided to start this experiment. And then there was another group of people that picked up the mantle and ran with it a little bit and things have gotten out of control. And it's not the first, and it's not the second, and it's not the 10,000th scenario where things have gotten out of control. Things just get out of control in different directions at different times. We had a man like Martin Luther King Jr., who was a pioneer. He walked on the streets and was surrounded by followers preaching a mission that he said was... God-inspired, inspired by a divine power greater than him. And it's from that place that he had a dream that people of all colors could come together. And I see that not just as a nationality or ethnicity situation, but all shades and shapes and styles of human whether it's an eight foot tall woman or a two foot tall transgender, Hispanic, Asian, Cuban, African American, we all belong. We're all equally as valuable. So when you hear Black Lives Matter, just take it for that. Black lives matter. Think about it. And the more we say it, the more it's in our awareness. Right? 
because we're dealing with a real situation in this country where there's a return back to white nationalism. That's when the crowd goes, boo, right? Because it's white nationalism is predicated on white supremacy. And there's nothing further from reality. And there's all kinds of idiots trying to justify their beliefs, which is just egocentrism around themselves, wanting to give themselves a bigger slice of the pie because they feel entitled to it, because they're parents were idiots you know that's who trump is he's just the offspring of a fucking idiot (laughs) you know so i wouldn't get too worked up about it because karma is real and i haven't ever gotten too worried about it because i know karma is real but at the same time i do understand that privilege that i have to say that you know coming from a place of being a white male in a predominant system that rewards people for being white males. There's another white male who has a bit of a perspective on America. And he's a lot smarter than I am, so I want to share his words. His name is Buddy Wakefield. And um, he's a man that I met back in 2000, 20 years ago. And uh, he has a beautiful library of poetry he's been very prolific he's a well-known poet he's a poet laureate he's a slam poet champion multiple times over this is a poem called my town by buddy wakefield my My town town is cute cute. like Like that that. you You guys guys probably probably know know something about that being from texas i grew up in baytown anybody from baytown here (laughs) all right You made it out, good job. Good. This is dedicated to uh, Huntsville, where I went to college, and, okay, that's fucked up. And um, and Baytown, I went to college while George was governor there, so I grew up with George. I I did most of the growing. And um, I'd like to dedicate this poem to, to my town. Because my, t- my town is cute, like a bumper sticker. Like, like Christians who sport power of pride bumper stickers. What is it you don't get about pride being a deadly sin? My town is cute like God bless America bumper stickers. Judging from our excessive luxuries, Austin, those stickers really work. Now if we can just get God to bless the whole world. Alex Olson, Alex Olson's bumper sticker. Hers, hers reads, I love my country. I just think we should start seeing other people. But, but my town doesn't see other people. We're just too cute. Like the difference between what we say and what we do. Like the fact that violence in any form is sanctioned by the government as criminal or insane unless they commit it. My town is cute. Like people who still shop at Walmart and claim to be patriotic. Stop it. 
My town is cute in the way we worry about the gays fucking up our family values and the sanctity of marriage, yet we still let our children watch television shows like Wife Swap, The Bachelor, American Idolatry, and Fox News. My town is so cute, y'all, that check this out. One time, five years ago, there were some brown people. Boogity boogity. They attacked two of our tallest buildings and killed a shitload of our innocent citizens. Kind of like we did in Guatemala, Nicaragua, Panama, El Salvador, Tanzania, Mozambique, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Hiroshima, Philippines, Kosovo, Bolivia, Angola, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Dresden, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Haiti, Cambodia, Indonesia, East Timor, Iraq, Iraq. What are we doing in Israel? And my cute town pretends we never saw it or had it coming. So in a perpetual attempt to save cute face, we've waged a war on terror as effective as the war on drugs. My town is cute when we do these things in the name of God. Y'all, as many as, many as 20% of the polar bears on the northern ice cap are hermaphrodites due to PCBs being dumped into the ocean. That shit is cute. Like a wolf giving birth through its penile canal. Like a 300-pound tumor manifesting hair and teeth inside of it, grown from the body of a 210-pound agrophobic woman. My town is cute like competitive poetry, the history of Scientology, plastic surgery, and refined sugar. My town is cute like a man swallowing an eight ball of cocaine, then jumping from a five-story building to escape police, getting up and running away from it all. Y'all, this is a true story. The first time my town saw the sky it sucker punched us in the throat left us breathless said I'm gonna keep you awake some nights without touching you you'll make it up the pain you always do now my town only buys drowsy formula sky otherwise it gets too big the sky like when we were three before we realized we have balls Okay, the sky does not. Therefore, we have bigger bowls than the sky. Please don't talk to us about being teabagged by upside down hot air balloons. Explain it to a neighbor, because that shit's funny. Where rational conversations and big pictures are concerned, we have no time for getting wrapped up. We are not little presents for your sky. We are just right, far right, and cute like three-year-olds, like the book about bunny suicides, cute like old yeller just before he got shot in the rabies, a good actor, that dog. My town was born way off the mark. Y'all, sometimes we see it coming, the mark, so we shoot it with spit wads or precision-guided phallic symbols. 
Every time there is talk of war, people give me reasons why their town will be bombed first. It's a souped-up sense of self-importance, bucko. Everybody knows my town will be bombed first. Because once we plan the construction of a nuclear power plant right here in the same fields where our military children now carry out covert orders to keep the word dumb alive. has a hard time working here. Makes us believe that even when we're alone, somebody's watching us. Now, we're all narcissists. We have a habit of giving other people's gifts to ourselves, but at least our children still get their confidence booster shots, while our fathers perform voice reduction surgery to keep our pleas for help mind-sized, while our mothers are bending infinity in half so that our families can continue to talk in circles, while we all burn our tongues when we drink hot cocoa for the same reason everybody here wants to hug the ocean because it's just so much. My town knows that there is something so big inside of all of us, we have to suck just to distract you from being directly overwhelmed by our real power, the kind of power that makes you smile. Everybody knows that smiling is for little girls, the gays, and certain kinds of fish who are smiling by accident. The shortcuts my town have taken have gotten us so far ahead of ourselves, y'all, we've actually fallen behind. Would have been better off learning to herd turtles into bomb shelters on a moment's notice, giggling at the fact that we will all now die, and it's gonna happen so fast. We will have never been anything but really cute, like our three-year-olds who use folding chairs to beat lambs within inches of their lives. Funny fucking thing about that, my town is inches tall. It's why the sky looks down on us, wants to tell us something like grow up. Or, or reach up, or look up and watch me winking. I'm trying to talk to you. The earth is traveling at 66,641 miles per hour around the sun. It simultaneously rotates on itself at over 1,000 miles per hour. My town, <laughs> it's having some trouble sleeping. Frankly, they don't even care for their own. It just gives them a boner to think about unlimited cream. <laughs> their sparrow death dream is becoming our nightmare. They do dare to meddle. It's unsettling how high you can rise as a psychopath because we choose not to hit back. Possible peaceful protest? Take your food chain back. Like... Refusing to consume anything that needs a patent to protect it because it's an investment and not in you. <laughs> Refusing to support ag practices based in mining dollar signs. It's time we find our local farmers, disarm the corporation by emptying their grain stores. They'll get bored of abusing the earth if there's no worth in it for them. They don't care if your food is nutritious. They'll sell you whatever you will buy. Anything that keeps the profits high. Manipulation of our sustenance based on their interests and assets. Tax breaks for takers, reselling us things that we can freely access. Again, it's already happening. Corporations controlling your life source, poison in your grain stores. What's more, it's a choice you're making. What you choose to consume is activism. Your life and mind in the balance and the challenge is taking your power. 
voting with your dollar. And on that note, <laughs> state suppression of your unapproved expression is a mechanism of our oppression. Don't be silenced by the deep violence of control. This fatherly grip translates into how tightly we hold each other, strangling the gold in others because of our own fear. It's clear. Our shared ancestral trauma of being alive includes the inability to survive without your clan near. Lose the tribe and you're pushed out there where unknown things wait. Anxious attachment, grasping, grasping. It's all about fear of what happens to you when no one else is there to spare you from loneliness, aloneness. Coldness and hunger, being torn asunder by the merciless mill where you must kill or be killed. So, naturally, we're instilled with this instinct that can control us if we let it. We shouldn't necessarily forget it, but overfelt it turns petty. Ownership of those we love, as if their beauty belongs to us. Their eternal flame, ours to tame, to take, to make our own. Add bits of me to your crown until it's overgrown. Trust based on us being each other's. Brothers fighting over sisters, sisters looking for a mister. As this fucked up possession position persists, the point is missed. Connection cannot be compared. A love that's shared can't be reproduced or reduced to a title or kept on a bridle. It's uncontrollable. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you're not the only one. Oh, one last thing in this line. You don't need a fucking certificate to practice your healing gift. As if compassion is something that can be taught in a classroom. Sensitivity, proclivity lies in the back room of your mind. It's working all the time, and no one could dictate the reason and rhyme of who you are and what you have to offer. No one but you. And a little something else. Ooh. Ooh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or this one. This one's called Your Freedom. Your freedom is land. What you create with your hands. Your food, choosing to consume life reverently. Gardens and cellars, your water, your shelter. Power, your freedom is your sustenance. Energy, synergy, only taking what we need. Reseed is the new old creed, and it's not just about what we eat. The way we can thrive, the way we could live, is by also being willing to give. <laughs> If we water, share seeds, and weed the greed seed, it could be this give-take creed is what's needed. It may seem like a cheap trope, we are one, but community runs on what you put in. And you, and you, and you, and me. See? We create it, and that's powerful. Support is a tool. Our salvation. But it takes participation. That was um, from the Sanctum Open Mic, and I actually don't know the name of that poet who I, I did ask her if she wanted, if she was willing for me to take that footage I took and post it. She said yes, but she didn't want to be accredited to it. Um, I've got a poem. I've got one more piece, two more pieces of audio I'm going to play, and I'm going to read uh, some interesting stuff off the internet. Thank you for joining me this evening. It is now officially March 4th, um, Wednesday morning at 1.04 in the morning. This is an old poem from my book of poetry called Mind a Litter at Your Service. It's called Free. Free. 
We thought that we were free, but the leaders were invisible and didn't let us see. We thought that we were right. We thought that we were just, but our government did so many fucked up things to us. We thought that they were wrong. We thought that they were evil. The color of their skin helped us forget that they were also people. The land that we lived on, we thought it was our own, but we got taxed and arrested because the land was owned already. Stoned as spaghetti, we picked up the telephones to tell operators we were ready. Spread like confetti and ready to strike, we put operations on operations and we stayed up all fucking night. The dawn turned to dusk and back to dawn again, and the leaders stayed invisible because they could not win. At least that's what we thought. But see, we also thought that we were free. We couldn't let it be. We couldn't let it be. We couldn't let it be. We wouldn't let it be. They wouldn't let us see. We should have let it be. But they wouldn't let us be. It turned to competition and best man always wins. But my best man was my best friend, and my best friend was a bitch. A bitch that built a fence, a bitch that built a wall. A best friend who was never really my friend at all. And we all felt rejected. We all felt fucking low. And we'd cry, but our tears had no place to go. So we collected our thoughts, and we receded from their palace. Our hearts were still filled with much hate and such malice. Our hearts spilled out much madness when we made our art and music. But then the leaders took notice just so they could use it. So they took our art from us, but they told us we were free. I'd feel free here, but it's not where I want to be because take note. I haven't used the word me once because it's not about me and it's not about trust. It's not about us. It's not about when, what, where, why, or who. It's about you and what you decide to do. Choose to get caught up or decide on something new. So fuck this world we're in and fuck ideas of sin and fuck where we are right now. Proverbially, if we can never win. I'm so goddamn depressed. I feel so damn oppressed. My life's a fucking mess. My mind's caught and obsessed. My heart feels never blessed. And how can my hands and my feet make more out of me when they feel like such goddamn less? I never end and I'll never end if the trend of the moment is always just pretending to be friends. It sends disgust and mercy to the pit of my stomach. Only my stomach's set relaxing and doesn't see the ball of blunder coming. The rains fall like teardrops and splash upon the pavement. Reflected like a mirror. My dreams are always raining, straining for words to describe the way I feel at this moment. I feel like I'm alive and depression just died. I'm such this fucking guy and I'm on this trucking high and when we get the silly high, the world it shouldn't try and hide things like truths from us because I think that we can handle truth. Maybe it cannot handle us. I'm going to stop writing and just enjoy this moment of bliss. Because the world only knows of its pleasures when it realizes that it does not exist. And my muscles and my brain and my heart and my feet and my hands and my toes and my fingers and my legs and my knees and my elbows and my appendages, they belong to me. So maybe I am free. Maybe free is we. And we can see our leaders now. They look like you. 
and me. See, we lead us into infinity and we lead us into the things that be and we lead us into our destiny because we are us and we are free. So how did the Iroquois Great Law of Peace shape U.S. democracy? Much has been said about the inspiration of the ancient Iroquois' Great League of Peace in planting the seeds that led to the formation of the United States of America and its representative democracy. The Iroquois Confederacy, founded by the Great Peacemaker in 1142. <laughs> Take in mind, 1776, Declaration of Independence. The Iroquois Confederacy, founded by the Great Peacemaker in 1142, is the oldest living particip participatory democracy on Earth. In 1988, 1988, the U.S. Senate, Senate paid tribute with a resolution that said, The confederation of the original 13 colonies into one republic was influenced by the political system developed by the Iroquois Confederacy, as were many of the democratic principles which were incorporated into the Constitution itself. The people of the Iroquois Confederacy, also known as the Six Nations, referred to themselves as the Houdinoshani. Houdinoshani. It means peoples of the longhouse and refers to their lengthy bark-covered longhouses that housed many families. Theirs was a sophisticated and thriving society of well over 5,000 people when the first European explorers encountered them in the early 17th century. The Iroquois Confederacy originally consisted of five separate nations, the Mohawks, who called themselves the Kanihakihaka, or the people of Flint country, the Onanadaga, the people of the hills, the Cayuga, where they land the boats, and the Wanida, the people of the Standing Stone, and the Seneca, the people of the Big Hill, living in the northeast region of North America. The Tuscarora Nation, the people of the shirt, migrated into Iroquois country in 1722. The great peacemaker brought peace to the five nations, explained Orrin Lyons in a 1991 interview with Bill Moyers. Lyons is a faith keeper of the Turtle Clan of the Seneca Nations and a member of both the Onondaga, On Onondaga and the Seneca Nations of the Iroquois Confederacy. At this time, the nations of the Iroquois have been enmeshed in continuous intertribal conflicts. The cost of war was high and had great weakened, greatly weakened their societies. The great peacemaker and the wise Hiawatha, the chief of the Onondaga tribe, contemplated how best to bring peace between the nations. They traveled to each of the five nations to share their ideas of peace democracy. A council meeting was called. The Hiawatha presented the great law of peace. It united the five nations into a league of nations or the Iroquois Confederacy and became the basis for what was known as the Iroquois Confederacy Constitution. Each nation maintained its own leadership, but they all agreed that common causes would be decided in the Grand Council of Chiefs. The concept was based on peace and consensus rather than fighting. 
Colonialism is the policy of a country seeking to extend or retain its authority over other people or territories, generally with the aim of economic dominance. In the process of colonization, colonizers may impose their religion, language, economics, and other cultural practices on indigenous people. Okay. <clears throat> so, I say all that to say that not only did we take the land, steal the resources, make promises that were unkept, and then relegate these people to lands, remote lands, call them reservations, and give them just tax-exempt status on casinos. We also gave them disease, addiction, and we did not give them the resources on how to adapt to a culture that they weren't built for, that they weren't inclined for. So the way that they adapt and, and learn is way different than the way that our ancestors adapt and learn. And I'm not being very articulate in that, but I say all that to say that not only did we steal all their shit, but we also jacked their system of government, which was meant to unite the people, protect the people, and share resources. So we took that from them. And then what we have is we have a group of power brokers who steal the very concept. So it's like it's like the system of stealing perpetuates upon itself. So it is becomes kind of like a pyramid. And the very top of the pyramid is the influence holders of that pyramid. So what so what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Well, first of all, in order to understand how we got so wealthy as a nation, I highly recommend a book called Addicted to War, Why the U.S. Can't Kick Militarism, a history of U.S. foreign wars in comic book format by Joel Andreas. And you can get that at addictedtowar.com. This was instrumental in my understanding and my own personal um, research in how the United States uh, does its business overseas and... Um, basically has its tendrils entangled in all these other foreign countries. So when we get upset about a guy like Donald Trump, we have to understand that we've been fucking over other countries forever. And so I see Donald Trump the same way that Saul Williams saw George W. Bush. He's not the source of the problem. He's the blackhead or whitehead that comes to the surface above the skin, above the pores. Which is what happens when political correctness draws attention to all of these things. And it's like cleansing the internal organs of the system. Not only does the system start ridding itself of toxins, but it's not a very pretty process. It smells funky and it looks ugly. And it's, it's part of this work of exposing the truth. And... It's, it's a part of this whole struggle for equality, equity, justice for all people. If we truly want to stand for all people were created equal, then we have to, we have to work towards that, y'all. Sorry, I'm preaching a little bit, but it is what it is. So um, I've got 
two more pieces of audio I'm going to play. Um, the first comes from a brother who used to go by Alokananda, but um, currently he goes by Luke Cohen. He's a friend of mine. And uh, he he brought to our attention that Americua is the indigenous word for the unified North and South continent of the Americas. This word existed long before Columbus and is calling to be reseeded into the collective consciousness. This song and video is a prayer dedicated to the unification of all tribes, to all who are working hard to protect the environment, indigenous peoples, human rights, sacred sites, and mend divisiveness. There are over a thousand standing rocks in the Americas, and a global movement to reintegrate indigenous wisdom into the world is underway. This is a call to action for unity, peace, and harmony among all nations. This is a dedication to the prophecies transmitted across all many cultures and the healing of the nations taking place in our lifetime. As we bridge the divide between the tone of our skin, the trauma of our lineages, and awaken to the tone of our soul frequency as guardians and stewards of the Mother Earth, you are invited to be a part of these prophecies come true. We have one home. We are all related. May we walk in harmony.
The survivors will be bioregional. I want to talk about an organization called Cascadia Underground. Cascadia Underground recognizes the bioregional identity of all Cascadians and has done a lot of studies about what makes humans act in a certain way. And when people are of the same bioregion, they share similar habits habits in communication, habits in, say, the way that sports team fans travel and exchange culture, the way that money is spent. So many different aspects of um, our values are shared by the environments that we keep. I'm going to read to you from an article from the Cascadia Underground, which Cascadia Underground has been doing a lot of kind of polls, polling, uh, independent polling of Cascadians of what they value and how they see a secessionist movement of Cascadia, which if you don't know what Cascadia it is, it's the part of the country that stretches from southern Alaska through British Columbia down into northern California. It all has the same bioregional structure. And um, that our land is some of the most valuable land in the United States. And if we did secede from the nation, it would be we would be a very wealthy nation into and of ourselves. Of course, there's all kinds of complications with that. But I'm going to read to you from an article um, by an author named. Oh wow, it doesn't even say. Oh, it doesn't even say his name. That's crazy. Okay, so. Oh, his name is Joe Brewer. Joe Brewer. And this is an article called The Survivors Will Be Bioregional. The Survivors Will Be Bioregional. I want to talk to all of you today about the humans that survived the current planetary predicament. How did they organize their lives? What was the key to their success? It is no secret that we are in the midst of a severe period of ecological collapse. The exploding human population lay flat on its growth curve for hundreds of thousands of years until the invention of the industrial agriculture. Then it shot skyward in an exponential arc corresponding with the rapid depletion of intact ecosystems, healthy environments, and stored materials across the earth. All of this happened in the blink of an eye in a few short centuries. It has become fashionable to talk about sustainable businesses and the greening of economic growth, yet rarely do these conversations go deeply enough into the ecology of our species to see how profoundly unsustainable this growth arc has always been. Ecologists like William Catton Jr. in his classic text Overshoot have called the period of exponential growth for any species the exuberant phase. It is quickly followed by a peak and subsequent collapse. Those of us who study history will recognize the great myth of progress arose in Western civilization just as it was embodying the most brutal forms of colonial expansion into the Americas. Terms like manifest destiny and self-reliance were blended within the microspheres into this macroscopic pattern, blinding many to the ecological limits of the Earth that we were soon, in geological terms, to be leapt beyond in a giant pulse of destabilization. Ecologists have a practice of defining species according to their ecological niche. How does this ant make its living? Where does that bird call its home? 
What are the conditions of thriving that enable this particular kind of tree to live in this particular kind of environment? In our case, as the last surviving remnants of the hominid family tree, the secret to our success has been the ability to create cultural niches that alter our environments to serve the needs of our own kind. Joseph Henrik wrote a book summarizing what the science of cultural evolution has to say about human uniqueness, appropriately titled, The Secret of Our Success, How Culture is Driving Human Evolution, Domesticating Our Species, and Making Us Smarter, that was published in 2015. The main takeaway was that humans create cultural patterns of change that can build upon that which came before. We create social niches niches that act as a kind of scaffolding to build our way into novel environments. And we do so in ways that accentuate the role of culture in the double-blind bind of biological constraint with ecological limits coupled to the potential of compounding of exponential change in our cultural developmental pathways. In other words, We are able to create the conditions by our own demise by blindly building upon what at the time feels like success. Grow an economic system that expands and extracts all in its path, and it will do what all patterns of this kind do by terminating itself. I write these words in late July of 2020 as globalized humanity struggles to grapple with a pandemic that exemplifies this point. We created giant population centers in our great cities and connected them with each other using fossil fuel technologies to create international airports. This enabled a network of connectivity to grow that is prided for its creativity and innovation, yet in the very same connectivity that allowed ecological destruction of non-human habitats to give birth to a virus that could spread on those same airplanes to consume the bodies of people all over the planet in the span of just a few short weeks. You might be asking yourself, why am I writing in a way for a book about economies based on well-being and human thriving? My motivation is to dispel the myths that enable so many of us to hide from the plain truth that our globalized civilization, like all civilizations that came before, is going to die. It is in the death throes right now. There are zero historical antecedents to suggest that we might miraculously survive. All empires and civilizations arose during a brief period of warm, stable climate known as the Holocene. All of them also collapsed and went away. The current system is only different in complexity and scale. It is no different in kind and will also suffer this fate. Yet in our mad rush of progress, something miraculous did occur. We gathered in the scientific enterprise of studying our home planet a massive volume of knowledge about the world around us and how all living beings survive. The secret of life's success is to establish a viable niche. This means creating integrated patterns of being alive that achieve robust circulation of material flows in a local environment. There is a name for this way of organizing an economy. It is called the bioregion. Some readers may have heard about the back to the land movement of the 60s and 70s when this term came into being. They were dirty hippies and guerrilla gardeners seeking to go off-grid and learn how to live on a piece of land. I encourage you to dispel this nostalgic image and instead hold in your mind every sustainable human culture that ever existed. 
All of them, yes, all of them were organized as hunter-gatherer societies or subsistence horticulture societies. They were indigenous to a specific place. They built their homes with local materials, gathered what would be woven into their clothes with knowledge of local animals and plants, invested their innovative talents in the use of these capacities in their regional landscapes, and achieved resilience by trading with neighboring tribes who did the same thing. A bioregional economy is one that grows niches around the habitats available to it. This is true for all living beings, and it applies to our species. So each region seeks to partner with its indigenous past to bridge the gap wrought by extractive economies to enable the restoration of human institutions to manage affairs in the recovery of that which had been polluted, degraded, or destroyed. We must look back to the indigenous people of this land in order to determine the best route forward as it pertains to restoring, regenerating our soil, regenerating our resources, our plants, um, our waters, clean our waterways so that we can restore the fish population. And, um, and, and you know, really lean on the wisdom of indigenous teachings of working with nature damming the snake river up in washington so that we can get hydroelectric power like that is not good because the the whales are dying because the salmon are not getting to them and i say this to say that you know in an economic system that incentivizes greed and stealing and cheating um and pumping money into lobbying for corporations and then giving them the same power and expanse of money in politics. Of course we're going to get fucking Donald Trump as president. That's my point. We're at a time of Black Lives Matter and the biggest antidote we can provide to Donald Trump is a guy that voted for the crime bill and his vice presidential choice is the attorney general of California who is responsible for imprisoning like a really, really high number of African Americans due to non, um, (laughs) a victimless crime. It's just ridiculous. You guys, like I'm all for, I'm all for harm reduction, and I think that Donald Trump is probably, potentially, the most dangerous fucking thing to happen to this country in the history, but we gotta be real with where we're at. <laughs> we gotta be real with where where we're at. We were given two shitty options. Twice. That's the truth. So, don't stress yourself out. Don't stress yourself out because we're a nation built on slavery. We're a nation built on genocide. You know? Like, and this happened well before any of us were born. So don't we, we don't have the fucking right to cry in our beer or to cry in our cereal or to cry in our gourmet hipster ice cream. We just don't. Pull yourself up, dust yourself off, and do what the indigenous people have done. Cultivate a sense of resilience and pride for 
what for your ancestors, you know, and all that they've done in order for you to get here. And I don't give a shit if they were slave owners. I don't give a shit if they were colonizers. It doesn't matter. You know, they birthed you and evolution is constantly drawing and improving and evolving on the past. In fact, if they were slave owners, let that motivate you to, you know, to, to lend your efforts towards more abolition, towards social justice, true social justice, not online bickering. So I've got one more piece of audio that I plan to play for you, and it's one of my favorite poems called Dance Monkey Dance by Ernest Cline. It reminds me that this is all a made-up story. America is a made-up story. The U.S. dollar is a made-up story. It's all a made-up story. And so we have a choice to go along with the story or to, you know, the word authority means to authorize. So are we authorizing other people to be an authority over us or are we recognizing ourselves as our own authority and choosing who we want to represent us? That's what true democracy is. Donald Trump doesn't uh, he doesn't represent me and he doesn't represent a majority of these people that are my neighbors. So we live in a we live in a jointed system that has not been reformed and in order to reform it sometimes it has to get brought down. I want to read to you two quick quotes from Howard Zinn who was an anarchist who wrote A People's History of the United States. Nations are not communities and never have been. The history of any country presented as the history of a family conceals the fierce conflicts of interest, sometimes exploding, sometimes often repressed, between conquerors and conquered, masters and slaves, capitalists and workers, dominators and dominated in race and sex, and in such as world of conflict, a world of victims and executioners, it is the job of thinking people, as Albert Camus suggested, not to be on the side of the executioners. What struck me as I began to study history was how nationalist fervor inculcated from childhood on by pledges of allegiance, national anthems, flag-waving, and rhetoric blowing permeated the educational systems of all countries, including our own. I wonder now how the foreign policies of the United States would have looked if we wiped out the national boundaries of the world, at least in our minds, and thought of all children everywhere as our own. Then we could never drop an atomic bomb on Hiroshima, or napalm on Vietnam, or wage war anywhere, because wars, especially in our time, are always wars against children, indeed, our children. This is Ernest Klein with Dance Monkeys Dance. There are billions of galaxies in the observable universe, and each of them contains hundreds of billions of stars. In one of these galaxies, orbiting one of these stars, lies a little blue planet. And this planet is run by a bunch of monkeys. Now these monkeys don't think of themselves as monkeys. They don't even think of themselves as animals. 
In fact, they love to list all the things that they think separate them from the animals. Opposable thumbs. Self-awareness. They use words like homo erectus and australopithecus. You say tomato, I say tomato. They're animals, all right. They're monkeys. Monkeys with high-speed digital fiber optic technology. But monkeys, nevertheless. I mean, they're clever. You've got to give them that. The pyramids, skyscrapers, phantom jets, the Great Wall of China. That's all pretty impressive. For a bunch of monkeys. Monkeys whose brains have evolved to such an unmanageable size that it's now pretty much impossible for them to stay happy for any length of time. In fact, they're the only animals that think they're supposed to be happy. All of the other animals can just be. But it's not that simple for the monkeys. You see, the monkeys are cursed with consciousness. And so the monkeys are afraid. So the monkeys worry. The monkeys worry about everything, but mostly about what all the other monkeys think. Because the monkeys desperately want to fit in with the other monkeys. Which is pretty hard to do, because a lot of the monkeys hate each other. This is really what separates them from the other animals. These monkeys hate. They hate monkeys that are different, monkeys from different places, monkeys who are a different color. You see, the monkeys feel alone. All six billion of them. Some of the monkeys pay another monkey to listen to their problems. The monkeys want answers, and the monkeys know they're going to die, so the monkeys make up gods, and then they worship them. Then the monkeys start to argue over whose made-up god is better. Then the monkeys get really pissed off, and this is usually when the monkeys decide that it's a good time to start killing each other. So the monkeys wage war. The monkeys make hydrogen bombs. The monkeys have got their entire planet wired up to explode. The monkeys just can't help it. Some of the monkeys play to a sold-out crowd of other monkeys. The monkeys make trophies and then they give them to each other. Like it means something. Some of the monkeys think they've got it all figured out. Some of the monkeys read Nietzsche. The monkeys argue about Nietzsche without ever giving any consideration to the fact that Nietzsche was just another monkey. The monkeys make plans. The monkeys fall in love. The monkeys have sex and then they make more monkeys. The monkeys make music and then the monkeys dance. Dance, monkeys, dance! The monkeys make a hell of a lot of noise. The monkeys have so much potential if they would only apply themselves. The monkeys shave the hair off of their bodies in blatant denial of their true monkey nature. The monkeys build giant monkey hives that they call cities. The monkeys draw a lot of imaginary lines in the dirt. The monkeys are running out of oil, which is what fuels their precarious civilization. The monkeys are polluting and raping their planet like there's no tomorrow. The monkeys like to pretend that everything is just fine. Some of the monkeys actually believe that the entire universe was created for their benefit. As you can see, these are some messed up monkeys. These monkeys are at once the ugliest and the most beautiful creatures on the planet. And the monkeys don't want to be monkeys. They want to be something else. But they're not. Why must every generation think their folks are square? And no matter where their heads are, they know moms ain't there. Cause I swore when I was small that I'd remember when I knew what's wrong with them that I was smaller than. Determined to remember all the cardinal rules 
Like sun showers or legal grounds for skipping school I know I have forgotten maybe one or two But I hope that I recall them all before the babies do And I know he'll have a question or two Black Can I go ride my Zoom? It goes 200 miles an hour Suspended on balloons And can I put a droplet of this new stuff on my tongue? And imagine frothing dragons While you sit and wreck your lungs And I must be permissive Understanding of the younger generation And I'll know that all I've learned may And then I'll know that all I've learned my kid Help me Then I'll know that all I've learned my kid assumes And all my deepest worries must be his cartoons And still I'll try to tell him all the things I've done Relating to what he can do when he becomes a man And still he'll stick his fingers in the fan And hey, Todd, my girlfriend's only three She's got her own video phone And she's taking LSD And now that we're best friends She wants to give a taste to me But what's the matter, Daddy? How come you look at me? Could it be that you can't live up to your dreams? No, it's not true because we're doing it. I love you. Goodbye. Fuck Trump! Fuck Trump! Fuck Trump! Fuck Trump! Well, come on, all of you big strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn.
Listen, people be asking me all the time, yo, most, what's gonna happen with hip hop? I tell them, you know what's gonna happen with hip hop, whatever's happening with us. If we smoked out, hip hop is gonna be smoked out. If we doing alright, hip hop is gonna be doing alright. People talk about hip hop like it's some giant living in the hillside, coming down to visit the town with people. We are hip hop. Me, you, everybody, we are hip hop. So hip hop is going where we going. So the next time you ask yourself where hip hop is going, ask yourself, where am I going? How am I doing? And you get a clear idea. So if hip hop is about the people, and the hip hop won't get better until the people get better, then how do people get better? Well, from my understanding, people get better when they start to understand that they are valuable, and they're not valuable because they got a whole lot of money and because somebody think they sexy, but they're valuable because they've been created by God. And God makes you valuable, and whether or not you recognize that value is one thing. You got a lot of societies and governments trying to be God, wishing that they were God. They want to create satellites and cameras everywhere, make you think they got the all-seeing eye. I guess the last post wasn't too far off when they said that certain people got a God complex. I believe it's true. I don't get phased out by none of that, none of the helicopters, the TV screens, the newscasters, the satellite dishes. They just wishing. They can't never really do that. When they tell me to fear they law, when they tell me to try to have some fret in my heart behind the things that they do, this is what I think in my mind. And this is what I say to them. And this is what I'm saying to you. Check it. All over the world, hearts pound with the rhythm. Fear not of men because men must die. Mind over matter and soul before flesh. Angels hold the pain, keep a record in time, which is passing in, running like a caravan trader. The world is overrun with the wealthy and the wicked. But God is sufficient as disposer of affairs. Gunmen and stockholders try to merit my fear. But God is sufficient over plans he prepared. Most depths in the flesh where you at right here. On this place called Earth, on the down square. About to do it for y'all and y'all after this. It just bounce. Come on, bounce, 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 God never stops paying attention. Everything's gonna be fine. Leave it to divine intervention. God got reasons for shit that's gut-wrenching I don't have enemies, God don't have henchmen My journey got lots of destinations, none of which I doubt God don't need to offer explanation That don't mean that we don't stay in conversation Only that I cannot comprehend the massive implications God makes me cry and then makes me laugh God gives me tests and then helps me pass God is overseeing so I never really fail I don't refer to God as he, cause God is not a male. God gives me dreams, God gives me bed bugs. The big and the small, God gives it all, so I dig it all. God walks with me. There's a million different ways that God talks with me. Sometimes through others, sometimes through myself. Sometimes through the failing of my health. Sometimes through music and sometimes through events. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's intense. God gave me my best friends, they're me to the death with no regrets, yo God bless them. 
People give me credit, see me always on my job. Every time I get it, I just give it up to God. 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 God is great. God makes the corrections. I make the mistakes. But it ain't like God is always on my case. God is my people's. God ain't trying to put me in my place. God is merciful in he. God watches over me and gives me everything I need. If I feel jealous ever, it's only cause I have forgotten what I should remember. I walk through fire without burning, that's God. When I know without learning, that's God. I don't do nothing for money. All I try to do is what I think I want from me. Sometimes I try to figure out the angles, but I don't gotta understand God, I'm just angel. But angel is divine, and God is all that's higher because God is on my side. God knows me. Everything I need to see, God shows me. I realize I should stop being nosy. There is nothing in this world God owes me. Only God can judge me, but God would never judge me. God loves me. Never second the infinite, every second to every minute. God, God. We are the Halusa. Thanks for hanging in there, everybody. We're going to make it through this shit. It's not even that big of a deal. Don't let the illusions be your reality. I love you. Thanks for listening to Shady Times Radio, everyone. I'll see you at Morgan's show on Friday and at the Conscious Change event on Saturday. This is R.E.D., a track called Red, featuring Yazoo Bay, Narcy, and Black Bear. Have a good night. I love you. What the f*** is fleek, though? Don't ask them, what do he know? What I forgot is better than whatever they remember. Never mind, I'm off it. It's quiet for him. Time to put the temper tantrums to the quiet corner. Hush, that's enough, said the ruler. No suckers allowed to break bread or asunder. The daylight, lightning, and the thunder. Sun, moon, stars, and the hunger. Abundance in bundles. Blessings in troubles. Towers and tunnels. Views and valleys. Waves and peaks. Streets you from sun. Planet Earth. And ain't scared of no Mars attack. What type of bars is that? Stay off my chat. I'm up there calling riot garments. Top five. Dying on and on them. Super fly. Slick a top rope. Eagles diving on them. You why you lying, homie? You won't play with my emotions. Smokey. Big Chief Heart Rate, Big Beak, B-E-Y-I-C, Straight Jacket, Come Clean, Big Said It Was A Dream, Now It's A Living Thing, With You And Living Kings, I Mean It, I Mean
imagination We pan solid with we Shoot and live it, you know we Shoot and live it Confronted by the Alai Nation Alien Nation The subjects and the citizens See the material religions Through trauma and numb Nothing is related All the things of the earth and in the sky have energy to be exploited. Even themselves, mining their spirits into souls sold. Into nothing is sacred, not even their self. <laughs> 